Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship. Man, wasn't that good, y'all? That's just so good. Praise the Lord. So come on Wednesday night to the Refuge Christmas service and uh, get some more of that, man. That's, that's good. So good. Hey, I apologize this morning. I'll be preaching with a cough drop in my mouth. I hope I don't launch it sometime in the middle of my sermon, but I just I like, a, like a lot of y'all just dealing with the little hacky stuff. Just can't get rid of it. Um, so anyway, we'll press on. Uh, there was a sign that was posted for a lost dog. <laughs> Some of y'all probably heard this. And the sign read, lost dog, three legs, blind in one eye, missing the right ear, tail broken, recently castrated, answers to the name Lucky. So anyway, don't you feel that way sometimes? I mean, it's just, you know, stuff just, just kind of gets in motion and circumstances start just sort of snowballing on you. It just, it just happens. You feel that way. You just, it, it, one thing after another. You know, you get a text message from somebody and it upsets you. And then you get rid of that text message and your phone rings and you get some more bad news. By the time you hang the phone up, your kid comes running in from the backyard with his arm at some crooked angle because he fell off the trampoline and broke his arm. So now you run out to the car to put him in the car and you got a flat on the car. You know, stuff like that. I mean, just it just it, it just seems like it happens like that sometimes that we just life circumstances can just sometimes seem to spiral out of control and uh it's just it's just what happens and we're all there at different times maybe you're there right now which is one of the main reasons why i really felt led to preach this sermon series entitled god is with us say those four words god is with us say it one more time god is with us we just need to know that I mean, even just saying that, even just saying that truth just brings a sense of peace to me and I hope to you and a sense of comfort and strength just lets me know and lets us know that no matter what those circumstances are, no matter how they seem to start spiraling out of control, we can know that God is with us in life's circumstances and man how we need to know that truth these days there's a guy i like to read i get his uh, blog in my email uh, about usually about once a day a guy named sean dietrich does anybody else in here read sean dietrich he, he writes a blog i encourage you to do it he writes a blog entitled sean of the south he spells his name s-e-a-n so if you want to look him up sean of the south and and uh he writes he's i think he grew up in maybe in Florida, but he's been in the South his whole life. And uh, so he writes about stuff that when he writes, you just go, man, I've been there. I mean, he writes about stuff in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Arkansas, uh, Florida, just uh, South Carolina. He, he just writes. He travels and he speaks, and he, he goes into these country stores, these little old tiny towns with a population of 263 and a coon dog, you know, and just uh, he just writes, and you just he writes about, uh, you, you know, biscuits and gravy and, and uh, tobacco spit and, and just, yeah, you just go, man, I, I know what he's talking about. I'm not sure that Sean is a Christian. Now, he writes a lot about God. 
there's a part of me that I feel like he is, and when I read something here, you'll, you'll count, I think you'll feel that way too. Um, but, but this is what, I got this, this this week. Of course, right now he's writing a lot of Christmas stuff, you know. And so I got this this week in my uh, email. It says, Christmas is a time when God says to humankind, I'm coming to hang out with you guys, so get ready. <laughs> That's just like that. So, I mean, you, re- you hear that, you go, well, he knows a little bit of something about God and Jesus. I'm, get, I'm coming to hang out with you guys, so get ready. And he goes on to write this. He said, but the truth is, he doesn't only hang out with you at Christmas. God is with you year-round, especially when you don't notice him. God is with you when you take your chemo transfusion. He is with you when you're lying on the bathroom floor weeping because the physical pain is unbearable. He is with you when you're feeling like a God-awful failure because you're jonesing for a drink. He is with you when your own children refuse to visit you because your family is screwed up. God is with you when you feel like you want to take your own life. God is with you when you are mourning for your infant daughter who died from SIDS. God is with you always, even until the end of the age. And that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I mean, he's got a clue about something. If he ain't a Christian, he's, he's, he's headed that direction. And that's what we're thinking about today in this sermon series. God is with us in life circumstances. So grab your Bibles. We were in Matthew chapter 1 last week. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 again this week. I am not reading that genealogy again this week. So if you didn't get it last week, sorry, I'm not doing it again. Not reading verses 1 through 17. I'm going to start in verse 18 and look at verses 18 through 25 today. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I love hearing you turn pages in your Bible. I hope you got your Bible with you. You can get it on your phone or look on with somebody. It's really, really important that we be able to read Scripture when we're uh, studying the Bible together and worshiping the Lord. So let's stand, please, and read this passage together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, in other words, before they had sexual relationships, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins all this took place to fulfill what the lord had spoken by the prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. (laughs) I love that passage of Scripture. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Help us now, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, who is present with us and in us and among us, to hear from you now and to respond in obedience as you teach us and reveal truth to us today. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Y'all hear me talk a lot about this guy named Alistair Begg that I like to listen to uh, his sermons a lot. And I was listening to one this past week entitled, Why God Sent His Son. 
And uh, Alistair uh, just kind of was talking about that the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus. And it really is from beginning to end. It's about Jesus. And Alistair said that in the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus is revealed. In the book of Acts, Jesus is being preached. In the epistles or the letters of the New Testament, Jesus is being explained. And in Revelation, Jesus is expected. So it's the whole Bible that talks about Jesus. And so here we are in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is revealed as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Now, Isaiah had said that 700 years before, uh, uh, before this moment happened. Isaiah had, had already written that, that down. Uh, God had told Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, about this, and he made that predict, prediction that the angel then told Joseph in accordance with God's sovereign timetable, and it all came to pass. It came to pass in those days that went out of decree, and you know the rest of that story. We'll look at that next week, Luke chapter 2. But the fulfillment of this prophecy, the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus is one of the most, one of the most hope-giving, courage-building, faith-growing truths in the entire Bible. That Jesus has come, and he has come into our world, and he is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now let's think about Matthew for just a minute, the guy that wrote this. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You know, probably know that. Probably also remember that Matthew was a tax collector, had been a tax collector. And Jesus called him literally out of his tax collecting booth to come and follow him. And if you know anything about tax collectors in that day, and I guess I would say in this day too, tax collectors ain't the most popular people in the world. If you work for the IRS, the State Tax Commission, I'm sorry, we, we love you, but we don't like you. But anyway, you know, we, you know it's just nobody likes to do that but anyway but as a tax collector these guys were they were not very popular they were not liked at all and so he would have been one of the most unpopular members of the 12 obviously of the 12 disciples he probably would have been the most most unpopular one you know uh but certainly and he certainly was an unpopular member of society because he was a tax collector um and he probably had a very lucrative income before Jesus called him to come and follow him. But you think about what, you think about what Matthew had said and what Matthew had done. And, and, and all through his gospel, if you go ahead and read these 28 chapters of his gospel that I'd encourage you to do maybe sometime this week, you see that Matthew believed that Jesus was the king who would rule as God's regent on earth, offering his kingdom to his people. He focused, Matthew's, one of his main focuses in his gospel was the fact that Jesus is the king. Because he was writing mostly to Jewish people and he wanted them to understand. Remember we talked about that last week when you go through the royal succession of Jesus' family tree. Matthew is showing them this guy is your king. You see how he comes through the royal progression and succession of David's lineage as the royal king. So he is your king. Matthew believed that. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one of God who was the perfect prophet, priest, and king. He believed that. Matthew believed that Jesus was and is the Savior of the world. 
that he was the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53 who, who would give his life as a once-for-all sacrifice to save his people from their sins. Matthew believed that. He believed that Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And you find that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Matthew believed that. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God who suffered, who died, who rose again. We just sang about that. Who suffered and died and rose again to purchase our salvation and that one day He is coming again to take His bride and His body, the church, home to be with Him. Matthew believed that. So as we look at the story of uh, and tell the story of J Joseph. That's who we're going to focus on. Because really Matthew's the only one who really gives any airtime to Joseph. We're going to see that we just keep pointing to Jesus. That's all we're doing. That's all we ever need to do, church. No matter who we're talking about, no matter what we're preaching on, no matter what we're teaching on, no matter what we're singing about, no matter what we're doing as a church, everything has to point toward Jesus. That's why it's not just a little trite saying that we came up with that we're making much of Jesus as a church. It's absolutely what we must do. And that's, that's a good thing. And so the application of this message for today is that we can and we must Trust God in all of life's circumstances. And I think we'll see reason why. That we can and we must trust God in all of life's circumstances. So, let's look at Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph. We're going to look at his circumstances. And, and we're going to see how he responded to the circumstances that landed in his life. Now, quickly before we do that, before we come down to Joseph, we're going to kind of do a 30,000 foot overview and kind of, I want to tell you real quickly, just, just a quick overview of what the circumstance, we're going to talk about Joseph's circumstances, but we're going to, let's talk about the circumstances of the, of the world in which Joseph and Mary lived at that time. There's a world filled with political unrest and upheaval. I read an article this week entitled, A Most Violent Year, The World Into Which Jesus Was Born. When the year that Jesus was born was a violent year. The world was full of revolts and rebellions and crises and wars. Sounds a lot like our world right now, doesn't it? And all of these were characterized the circumstances and climate of the, of the world that Joseph lived in when his world was turned upside down. And it was. And so while all of these things were going on on a big scale... On the 30,000-foot overview, let's bring it right back down to right here where Joseph is and look at his circumstances and talk about some of the facets of his circumstances. The first one that we see is we see Joseph's discovery. We're just going to walk through these verses, 18 through 25. We're just going to walk through these verses. And the first one is this, Joseph's discovery, verse 18. Look back at verse 18. And now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit. So here's the discovery, Joseph's discovery. Now, look, we all have high expectations for Christmas. We, we, want, we want everything to be perfect. I mean, we want the kids to be perfect. We want the Christmas card picture to be perfect. 
We want, when we put them in all, the, all their matching pajamas and we finally get our husband to agree to wear those pajamas too and we take the picture, we want the picture to be perfect. We want that all to be perfect. We want the carolers to be perfect. We want the hot chocolate to be the perfect temperature. We want the outside to be the perfect temperature. And it ain't right now. You know, we just, it ain't supposed to be 82 degrees at Christmas time unless you're in Hawaii or something like that. But we want, we want the Christmas tree to be the perfect height and the perfect, we want the Christmas lights, all the lights to be worth working perfectly so when you take them out then you put it together and you plug them in and there are three strands that are out and it ruins your Christmas I mean it's just you know we want perfect things we want perfect peace and harmony and joy and all those things at Christmas and but but we all know that there always exists the possibility of interruptions to these perfect circumstances don't we so Joseph had some interruptions consider these circumstances that he was in and the interruptions to his world right now first of all you see there in verse 18 it says that he and mary were betrothed they were betrothed let me tell you what betrothal is in biblical times it was a legally binding agreement some of you know this you think about it you think about well they, they were engaged to be married well yes and no it does have some similarities to being engaged, and some of y'all are, and you just recently have, and congratulations, and stuff like that. That's great. And so you've given the ring, and you're in love, and so you got, you're now fiancés. And so, so it's a, you know, an engagement is when a man and a woman have determined that they want to get married, and so they, he gives the ring and, and that kind of thing. You know how that works. And so that's similar, similar, because in this situation, you've got a man and a woman that want to get married. But in the biblical times, it carried a much heavier legal responsibility and was a very binding legal agreement between the, they literally, they called, once you, when you got betrothed, you already were called husband and wife. You weren't called, like today, you don't call your fiance, well, this is my husband. No, he's your fiance, he ain't your husband until you stand up in front of the preacher and say, I do, and then kiss, and he pronounced you husband and wife. Well, this is, this is my, fian my wife. No, 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 she's your fiancé, and you, she ain't going to be your wife until she walks down that pretty dress and stands there in front of the preacher and says, I do, and you pronounce you all kiss, and then your your husband and wife. He, she's not your husband. He's not your husband. Not, but in Bible times, yes, you were. And the only way that you could break the betrothal is through a divorce. And so that's what we got going on here. This was a, this was a deep serious contractual relationship that they were in and, and so that's that's where we are because it says the discovery is that mary was found to be with child i think that's interesting the way that the scripture puts that at least the esv she was found to be with child that word found means, it literally means to discover. To learn something previously not known. <laughs> That's a pretty good description of the discovery of Joseph at this moment. I didn't know this. So what's going on here? So that's Joseph's discovery that interrupted his plans and his life. Ever had something like that happen where your plans get interrupted? There's Joseph right there. Next thing that you see is you see Joseph's decision. 
He discovered she was found to be a child. Now he had a monumental decision to make. Huge decision to make. Because if Mary had been unfaithful to him, and it's certain, I mean, isn't that what you would believe if you didn't know the rest of the story? Absolutely. That, that's, that's the way it works, right? I mean, so apparently something has happened here that she had been unfaithful, and he could legally divorce her. Because in their eyes, in the legal betrothal agreement, arrangement, contract, she had committed adultery. Even though they were not married yet, she still had committed adultery. She was considered to be an adulteress now, if that had been true. She would have been an adulteress. And though it would have been devastating, it would have been devastating. Joseph would have been well within his legal rights to divorce her. You know what we find out about Joseph here in verse 19? Her husband Joseph. See, it calls, see there, it calls her husband. It calls him husband. So that, that just goes back to the betrothal thing. He was a just man. A just man. A just man. That means that he was living, living his life according to God's standards. There's a sermon right there. Could people say that about you? Could somebody look at you and say, he is living his life. I've watched him, and he's living his life according to God's standards. I have watched her. And I can tell you, she's living her life according to God's standards. That's who Joseph was. He was a just man living his life according to God's standards. And Joseph loved Mary. There's no doubt about that. So in his own mind, now he's got a double problem. The first problem is he knew that he should not go through with this marriage because obviously he was not the father of this child. And so he naturally assumed that Mary had had sexual relationship with another man. So that's the one problem. The second problem is because he loved her so much, he did not want to shame her and embarrass her and make a public spectacle of her sin, which was a very common practice in that day when someone was caught in the act of adultery. Do you remember when the Pharisees brought that woman who was caught in the act of adultery in front of Jesus, and they shamed her, and they publicly embarrassed her and made a spectacle of her sin? That was a very common thing to do. Joseph did not want to do that because he loved Mary he was brokenhearted, obviously, had a huge decision to make here. What am I going to do? Because the truth of the matter is, y'all, and this, this is, I'm sorry, you know, this is one of those times where the skeptics say, see there, look at that, it just doesn't even make sense. But it's just the truth. The Old Testament Levitical law actually gave Joseph the right to have Mary stoned to death because of her unfaithfulness. He literally could have said, woman, we're going to execute you right now because of this. So his decision was, all right, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to divorce her secretly. I love her. And as long as I can, I want to try to protect her. So at least we can, at least for a little while, just, I'm just going to get this certificate of divorce. I'm going to let this go away. And then, yeah, when she has the baby, everybody's going to know then. But at least she's had a little bit of time that she's not going to have to suffer the embarrassment, and she's going to live. I'm not going to demand that she be executed. So he was doing the best he could as a just man, a man who lived by God's standards. <laughs> but man, what a mistake that would have been <laughs> if he had gone through with that. If he had gone through with that, because 
God was at work in these circumstances in ways that Joseph had no idea about, was about to find out about. That God was at work in these circumstances. Thank the Lord that he didn't go through with it. Because the next thing we see is we see Joseph's dream. We see Joseph's dream, verse 20 through 23. And I love this first part of verse 20. It says, but as he considered this, as he considered these things, man, thank the Lord for some divine procrastination. That at least for a little while he's going, you know, what do I do? Man, what do I do? I just, do I need to do this? You know, and, and as he was considering this, Joseph knew that this was a big decision. He knew that it had life-altering consequences for him and for Mary and for the child that was going to be born, for their families, for the society, the community. He knew that this was huge, and he needed to think this thing through. And while that was happening, look at the next word. We sometimes just kind of blow past this word because it's a word that the angels say all the time. But look at what it says there. As he considered these things, behold... That word behold means pay, pay attention to this. Something is about to change. That's what that word means. So as Joseph was considering these things, behold, pay attention. Something's about to change. And here's what was about to change. He was about to have a supernatural encounter with an angel, probably Gabriel, who gave him some news that changed all of his circumstances. And what was that news? The first thing that he said was, don't fear. Do not be afraid. Now, I heard somebody say one time, and, and, and I, I have not been able to substantiate this. In fact, I've seen other things say that's not the truth. But some people post on their social media, because it sounds really good, that in the Bible there are 365 places where it says, fear not. One for every day of the year. You ever heard that? Ever read that? Ever posted that on your Facebook page? I don't think that's the truth, but that don't matter, because if God says it one time, that's enough, amen? When God says don't fear, you ain't got to fear. You don't have to have it every day of your life. You don't have to read it every day of your life. You take it to the bank right now that God has said, do not fear, and he said that to Joseph. He said, don't fear. Next thing he said, go ahead and take Mary as your wife. Man, wouldn't you love to hear that? It's okay, Joseph. You love her. These are your plans. This is the way I've been leading you. You go ahead and take her as your wife. Because thirdly, the Holy Spirit has done something miraculous. She didn't shack up with some guy that you don't know about. The Holy Spirit has done something miraculous in her. And you need to understand that. And she is going to have a son. The first gender reveal. I mean, that. there you go. I mean, talk about a gender reveal. She is going to have a son. They didn't pop some balloons with, 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 with blue powder. They didn't hit a golf ball that turned blue. They didn't shoot something that turned blue or anything like that. The, the angel said, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he is going to save his people from their sins. Where does that come from? Listen to this. That's not just here. Listen. You could go back to Isaiah 41, verse 2, Isaiah 53, verse 6, 
Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, and Zechariah 13, verse 1, and they all say he's going to save his people from their sins. So years and years and years before this moment happened, God was already saying, there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming, and he's going to save you, he's going to save you, he's going to save you, and his name is Jesus, whose very name Jesus means Yahweh saves. <laughs> that's what's going on here fulfilled isaiah's prophecy from isaiah 7 14 and he will be emmanuel he will be emmanuel i've told you this before that's my favorite name that's my favorite description of jesus that's just my favorite now part of it has to do with the fact that i grew up in emmanuel baptist church in cleveland mississippi and so that word that name emmanuel goes deep deep down into my spiritual foundation and my spiritual heritage when you say emmanuel i go back to everything that i learned i go back to my roots i go back to my foundation because my foundation and your foundation is is Emmanuel that God is with us amen that is our foundation and that is the very essence of Christmas it's the core message of Christmas that Jesus has come Jesus will save and Jesus is with us hallelujah Jesus is with us amen and so that's what the angel said man what a dream <laughs> what a dream what a message what a change in circumstances which leads to the change in Joseph's decision to divorce Mary. Praise God. Because the last thing that we see is we see Joseph's determination. Verses 24 and 25. His determination, you see, it says there. He woke up. He did as the Lord, the angel told him. And he took his wife. He didn't have sex with her until she gave birth to a son. And then he called his name Jesus. So here's, here's what Joseph did. Here's what God said through his angel. He said to Joseph, you better obey me. Here's you got to do two things. Get up and go. <laughs> That's it. Get up, wake up, and now go. Go do what I've told you to do. Go take Mary as your wife. Go have that baby. Go name him Jesus. Go. He's going to save his people from their sins. And the God says the same thing to you and me today. Get up up and go and do what I have told you to do whatever that means for you today get up doesn't matter what your circumstances are today God says I will change your circumstances I will work in your circumstances I may not turn them upside down I might but I'm telling you I'm at work in your circumstances because I am with you so get up and go do what I've told you to do Whatever that means. So the point is that when God speaks, and He has spoken through His Word, and He is still speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, that when God speaks, then we can have the confidence then that He is with us no matter what our circumstances are. That He is with us. So know that today, church. Believe that today. Live that today. There's another guy named Joseph I want to tell you about and wrap this sermon up. A guy named Joseph Damien. He was a 19th century missionary. And 
he felt led to go work among people that had leprosy on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. And so it was just amazing, the sacrifices that he made, the work that he did um, to, to serve among these people with this horrible, horrible disease. So one day he was getting ready to go have a worship service with the people, and he was fixing himself a cup of tea. And as he was doing that, he accidentally spilled some hot water, some boiling hot water onto his foot, his bare foot. And he realized that he didn't feel anything. When that water hit his foot, he didn't feel anything. And so he began to have a little sinking feeling because he was afraid of what that meant. He kind of knew what that meant. So he actually took some more water and poured it right on the same spot where that other water had hit and realized he had no feeling. And he knew what that meant. And so he tearfully walked to lead that worship service that day and stepped to the pulpit. And a lot of folks didn't notice his emotions at that moment, but they noticed this. That normally every time he would start a sermon, he would start the sermon by saying, my fellow believers, and he would start his sermon. And this morning when he started the sermon, he said, my fellow lepers. And so he entered into their suffering in a way that he had not done so up until that point. He entered into and identified with their suffering. And he was with them in a way that he had not been with them prior. And so I say to you today that Jesus came and he said to us, my fellow human beings, because he came and he took on flesh and he entered into our lives and he entered into our world and he entered into our suffering. And because of that, he is with us in ways that we just cannot fathom and imagine that he is with us. So that means that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your life circumstances are right now, the reality and the truth that he is with us changes everything. It may not change the circumstances. But it changes everything about your life and my life. And so I just say to you, like the angel said to Joseph, basically said, get up and go. We're going to give an invitation here in just a minute. And whatever you need to get up and go do, then do it. That means if some of you need to give your life to Christ, then in just a minute we start saying, you get up and come down here and say, Brother John, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Others of you may need to get up and come to this altar and get on your face before the Lord because you ain't living for the Lord. Let's just be honest, you're not living for the Lord. You're wrapped up in sin and addiction or whatever, and you need to get rid of that today. And he's saying, today is the day. You get up and go take care of that. Some of you may need to get up and go and say, I'm getting up because I'm ready to go. I'm going to be like that lady on the video. I'm, I'm called. I know I'm called, and I'm ready to get up and literally go. I'm called to ministry or missions, and I'm ready to go. He's with us in our circumstances today. And tells us, get up, go. Let me show you what I'm going to do in the midst of your circumstances. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
So, Father, help us today during these moments of invitation, Lord, to say yes to you, to get up, Lord, and do what you're calling us to do, whatever that means, to live for you and to glorify you and to honor you with our lives and to say yes to you and to be obedient to you, just like Joseph was obedient after you spoke to him through Gabriel, if that's who the angel was, and spoke to him, he said yes, and he obeyed. And everything changed, Lord. Thank, thank you, God, that Joseph obeyed. And Jesus came. And he's with us today. Thank you so much. Help us now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.